Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and I'm here today with the other co-host, Brendan McCullough, and we have a special guest, someone we had the pleasure of meeting at Too Many Games Convention this year. It's YouTuber Adam Korlick. How you doing, Adam? I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. I'm doing all right. A little hectic today, but... Yeah, no, same. I actually had a pretty hectic day, too, but I'm glad we're doing this interview. Uh, so for our listener who hasn't uh, stumbled upon your YouTube channel, can you give them a little explanation of who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, yeah, so uh, YouTube.com slash Adam Korlick is just uh, my main channel, and I basically do a lot of things where I talk about uh, video games. I talk about history of video games, economics, uh, current state of events in video games, but then I also show people like how to clean and fix your consoles. I review products. I kind of do a lot of just stuff in gaming, aside from actually playing video games on the channel. That's like the one thing I never do. Okay. Yep. It's honestly what you provide is really helpful, useful information. I remember even when we saw your panel at Too Many Games, you had people asking you specific questions on how do I fix this uh, Dreamcast or whatever. Like, it's pretty mm-hmm. awesome how like you're the go-to guy for that information. Yeah, with but that kind of accidentally happened with Dreamcast. Anybody, anytime anybody wants to talk about Dreamcast, they come to me. Like the Dreamcast birthday. I don't know when this is going up, but the Dreamcast birthday is tomorrow. So I got a bunch of people being like, "Hey, do you want to do this? You want to do that?" And I'm like, "Sure." <laughs> so that's cool uh well i guess while we're talking about it what would you say is your favorite console are you more do you play pc much or are you kind of more of a retro gamer uh i am strictly console i, I actually don't play on pc like at all i have nothing against it it's just never been my thing like i i just i like physical copies of things i kind of like with consoles i always feel like they're a package deal like you know if you take the gamecube it is it is not just the games on it it's the games plus the console plus its history plus the controller it's all a package deal whereas pc is everlasting it just kind of keeps going it's very uh I, I don't know it's it's just a different type of uh gaming experience to me so i never really gamed on pc but as far as consoles um dreamcast is my favorite okay awesome well it was nice having you on the show adam Back to the PC Master Race discussion. (laughs) No, no, that's not true at all. I don't know. I I feel like a lot of our listeners actually are console gamers. I feel like a lot of us are PlayStation fanboys specifically. But it's kind of cool hearing uh, your insight on like the retro gaming console specifically. Mm -hmm. I know for me, I'm a lot of PC gaming now lately, just out of convenience because it's a lot easier moving my computer everywhere with me where I would bring it anyway versus bringing a computer, a TV screen two consoles four controllers like five cable like so it's just simpler having one device That's- oh for sure don't get me wrong it's not like i don't recognize the benefits it just depends on your lifestyle like i never really yeah. move or anything so like i have the capacity to have stuff around me but if you're the kind of person who's going a lot of places and you want a game on the go then of course a thing like a laptop or a pc would be superior mm-hmm. it's like i get it don't worry <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense um well where did your uh, journey as a gamer begin, I guess, so to speak? Like, what was the first console you started on? Like, first game that you remember playing? All right, so my first memory of any kind associated with video games was I was a little kid, and all my cousins were just a couple years older than me. They all just came over to our house one day. I was like, they were all super excited, and what they were ultimately doing was they were playing Paperboy on the NES, <laughs> and I was too young to, like, really understand what I was seeing. I wasn't, I was too young to, like, actually play it, but, like, that was one of those moments where my mind as a kid, I, it booted up. I was a person now. I have memories that don't go before that time. Yeah. Um, and so, like, that got my interest peaked. 
And then I think it was like, it must have been like Christmas 91. Um, one of my cousins got Super Nintendo and he had Super Mario World. And that was the first game I ever played. And I was like, oh, this is fantastic. I, I want a video game system. And so I begged my mother uh, to get me something, you know, Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo, I don't care, something. And she whipped out this old Atari 2600 she had. She said, that eh, one's just as good as another. And so I was playing that for like six months before eventually, you know, it was like, come on, bugging you enough. And then I ended up getting a Sega Genesis. So that's kind of where it all started. Cool. Oh, there you go. So on Genesis, what were some of your uh, favorite games? Uh, Sonic 2 is probably my ultimate favorite game. Uh, the Streets of Rage games were really good. Uh, there was a really cool McDonald's game on there, oddly enough. Uh, McDonald's Treasureland Adventures. It was made by Treasure, which was actually a really good developer. Um, I think they made, like, Ikaruga and, like, Gunstar Heroes. Uh, huh. they, they also made this McDonald's game, and it was really good. Um, I was also a fat kid growing up, so that was enough for me. To be like, <laughs> oh, shit, yeah, I want that. And without realizing it was actually a good game. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Hyperstone Heist was awesome. Uh, I don't have I don't have the games in front of me, but that's kind of like what's coming off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Awesome. It's a lot more than I can remember. So I guess then where did you kind of transcend from a gamer to now I have a YouTube channel and I'm presenting content? Like, did you go to school for film production? Because I see a lot of the stuff you do isn't even necessarily uh, game related. It's just like comedy. Yeah, that's correct. Um, so when I was in high school, I got into I got interested in film production and then I just decided, okay, I want to go to film school. So eventually, I, I went to college at uh, Columbia College, Chicago, which is a film school. And the whole point was to, I want to direct movies. I want to make, you know, stuff like that. And um, after I got out of college, uh, one of the lessons I learned was that you can't make money with short films. Nobody wants to buy those. Yep. Uh, but you have to start making a living. So I was like, well, you know what we should do is just kind of expand the brand, meaning figured out productions. And uh, I'll just start making content. Well, what can I make? Well, I have a lot of video games around. I know a lot about video games. Let me just make video game videos for a while. And I didn't really realize that that was actually going to end up taking over the whole channel. Um, so all, a lot of the content that I do that's not related to video games, I never bother uploading anymore because nobody ever wants to watch it. They just want to watch video game stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's weird how much, like, video games have kind of taken over a lot of YouTubers. Like, I mean, PewDiePie, well, the biggest, arguably the biggest YouTuber of all time, is just a Let's Player. Mm-hmm. And then he's since expanded into much more stuff. But, like, that's how he started out. And so much, like, I would love to know the exact percentage of, like, video game-related videos on YouTube and how much it actually takes up the community. It's oh, got to wow. be astronomical, because I think, like, somebody said something like, I think six of the top ten most subscribed channels are all video game-related. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it's, yeah, it's got to be out of control. I think that's just, like, the the majority of videos at this point, if not at least the largest percentage. And how did your fan base grow? Was that just like organically over a period of time or like, did you have certain videos that really hit it off big? Um, okay. So I, I've been doing this since 2009, which according to a lot of my other YouTuber friends makes me OG because most people only do this like thing for like a couple of years and I've been doing it now. Yeah. Almost seven full years. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. Right. I'm old school. (laughs) Um, so, uh, it just kind of grew slowly over time. Like I used to, there was a time I put out Dreamcast videos like right at the beginning and people were like, I was thrilled. I was getting like a hundred views. Right. Uh, cause it's, it's kind of a weird thing to put out a video on some obscure controller and have anyone watch it, much less hundreds of people. 
Um, and then eventually it just started expanding and there was only one, there was a couple of times where I would get surges, um, just from random things, like a couple of times, a couple of bigger YouTubers would link my videos or in one case, um, I did this video, uh, called why Nintendo hardware isn't powerful. And what really the point of it was, was to explain that Nintendo in any given generation has never had the most uh, technical, technically advanced piece of hardware, which a lot of people gave me a lot of shit for because they didn't bother to hear me out. Um, but that video got uh, put into YouTube's algorithm. And at this point it has like 600,000 views. That video alone was like, it doubled the amount of subscribers on the channel. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, cause I think when I made it, I had something like 36,000 subscribers. And then like, by the time it kind of got through with its run, I was like sitting at around like 65 to 70,000, something like that. That's tight. I know. So every once in a while, something like that happens. But um, yeah, so the, there's it's just been kind of a gradual growth. And then every time you get kind of spurts is just when you work with other YouTubers, basically. Okay, that's interesting. And then another question I had, because like, I guess you're the real first YouTuber we've had on our podcast. I was always interested, like, when does YouTube approach you and say, uh, can we uh, like make, do you want to make money off of advertising and stuff? Did that ever happen to you at this point? And do you have an interest in that? If uh, it were? So here's the thing you're talking about monetization. Yeah. yeah. All right. So my, my story with that's going to be really different than a lot of people you ask, uh, for a few different reasons. One, as I mentioned, I've been doing this for years, like before monetization existed on YouTube. Sure. Um, so when it first started to exist, uh, if they found you worthy, they would ask if you wanted to join their system. They never asked me. Uh, and eventually they started creating what's called MCNs. They're basically networks, uh, like Machinima is a network, uh, Bent Pixels is a network, uh, uh, there's, there's a whole bunch of them. And what happens with those is that they say, all right, we'll sign your channel and then you, it's your, this isn't YouTube's problem anymore. And then they pay you through that. Um, and those guys will, any YouTube channel will message everybody. Like they'll sign anyone. Uh, but at one point, for whatever reason, my channel was considered spam terminated. So for like two years, uh, I couldn't sign with an MCN regardless if I wanted to or not. And at one point, uh, a friend of mine uh, contacted somebody who actually works at YouTube. There's only like 98 employees literally that work there. Wow. He was, he was able to get a hold of one of them and have him check out my channel and be like, this guy doesn't have any reason to be spam terminated. What spam terminated means essentially is that the system has decided no matter what, you can't be monetized. You can't be taken seriously. Um, anyway, long story short, he got his friend to fix it. And my channel was then not spam terminated. And I was signed with an MCN. So, yes, I do make money through YouTube, um, but not just my channel. I actually work on four channels and all of them are monetized. Okay, interesting. That's really, I didn't understand any of that until, like, <laughs> until you explained it. That that makes a lot of sense. Sorry. No, it's, <laughs> YouTube is convoluted. Now, I mean, I think it, there the there used to be a lot of requirements on how, how much content or how many subscribers or how many views, etc. you needed before you could be monetized or signed with someone. Now, they don't really care at all. Uh, they, they're more concerned about content, uh, like, you know, that, uh, if your content is ad friendly, if you're just trying to get clickbait, like, you know, like if I were to put up a video that said like, you know, 
I have sex with Kim Kardashian or something insane, like that would get a lot of views, but that video doesn't exist. Therefore, anybody would click on it. It would get views, but everyone would realize immediately it's not real. And uh, then they leave the video. So then YouTube starts punishing you for what's called low retention rate, where it's like, I have a 10 minute video, but people only watched five seconds of it. That means the video must be spam. And so YouTube's system is smart enough to stop rewarding that. Oh, wow. If that's translated into podcasts, iTunes must think we're total spam. <laughs> oh, we're fucked. I did see there was like someone I follow and like subscribe to their channel and they just did it as a joke. It was just a vlog, a regular vlog where they're talking to the camera for like 10 minutes and they put like tiny boobs in the title like as a joke. And clearly that video had like 100,000 more views than any other channel they put out. Mm-hmm. So like it worked, but it was as, you know, tongue in cheek as a joke. But yeah it's very clickbaity and god forbid you accidentally click on one clickbaity video every suggested video on the sidebar it will now just be the spammy you know some girl in bikini any click on the video is nothing related to that at all <laughs> yep that is so true yeah so there's a, a whole rabbit hole on youtube um but regardless i guess this has this opened a lot of doors for you as far as like we met you at too many games cons do you get to travel around the world and meet your fans <laughs> Yeah, this summer has been kind of insane. It all actually started with too many games. Like, so I was a guest at that convention. So they, they brought me out. They put me in the hotel and all that kind of stuff. And then I got back to Chicago where I live. I was home for a couple of days. I went out. Then I was, then I went off to Ireland for a week. Then I was in the UK for two weeks. I came back to Chicago for eight hours on on July 27th before I had to turn around and go back to the airport and go up to Toronto for Con Bravo. Um, they brought me up for that hotel, all that stuff, and then got back to Chicago, had to go up to Wisconsin, came back from that. Uh, so I was home for like four days before I had to fly out to San Francisco to go to a Ubisoft thing. They brought me out, all that stuff. And then I had to go to St. Louis for a convention and my schedule was so packed that Ubisoft did me a solid. They put me up an extra night in San Francisco and then flew me straight to St. Louis rather than forcing me to go back and change planes in Chicago because I I calculated it. I would have been there for three hours. I wouldn't even have left the airport. Holy Um, shit. Yeah, I know. And I got back from St. Louis and then I don't don't remember where else I went. I, I know I went back to San Francisco at one point. And then I came back here, and I, I know I'm going to New Jersey tomorrow. And then I'm going to be there for a couple of days, come back, and then I'm going to San Francisco again. And <laughs> a week later, I'm going to Toronto again. And then after that, I'm going to Texas. Wow, dude, that's a oh, hell of a busy summer. Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, damn, man. That's actually really cool, though, because you get to, A, just go to all these places and all these events. So out of that uh, little bit of discussion, I did hear Ubisoft. Like, what what exactly were you doing with them, if, you, if you're allowed to talk yeah, about it? Yeah, I can talk. I can't give you a lot of specifics, but I can tell you basic things. I, I went to... All right, so every time you ever hear me say I'm going to San Francisco, it's either because Ubisoft or 2K has brought me out to go basically play their games. Okay. Um, I go, I, I, I check out the games, usually get footage of it, and then we make videos on it on my other channel, Game Society Pimps. Uh, so, you know, basically it's cool for us because then we get to not only check the stuff out early, we also get to make videos on it when a lot of people don't have the game yet because it's not public yet. So it's, it's a nice, it's a cool thing. Um, but yeah, so in, in the case of this last one at Ubisoft, we played Watch Dogs 2 uh for honor the crew well, the crew's dlc um grow up and south park the fractured but whole 
Oh, fantastic. That's so exciting that you got to try those out. And then at 2K, I ended up playing the Bioshock collection um, and then Mafia 3. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. Do you ever think of like maybe developing your own con and call it too many con cons? And it would just be (laughs) a convention where all the guests and all like the YouTubers and all the, you know, nerd celebrities and whoever goes to the normal conventions, they just all go to this con and then just relax. You just get like a solid solid week to just calm down and like not deal with it. That would be cool. You have to be a guest of it, but then if you're there, you just get a couch and you don't have to do anything. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. You get the whole the public's not allowed in. Yeah, it's the whole con floor, but it's all like beanbag chairs and like you know little drinks to the sides. Like you can just all wind down. But the only way to get in is if you're a guest at like at least like ten cons throughout the year. (laughs) That reminds me of like the handheld gaming section of Too Many Games Con. There's like all these little beanbags and everyone just literally relaxing and just playing on their handhelds is awesome pax yeah. prime has that too i didn't get to go this year but because i was busy but last year i went to that in seattle and the, the same basic thing there's just a whole room full of bean bags and just people playing the 3ds that's sick i was a little disappointed because we left uh too many games early and i saw a uh, mega ran was also there he's a uh, rapper you know game big gaming guy uh and they had like a whole wrestling set up there i guess we walked right by it, Doug. We probably didn't even see the ring. But they, apparently this whole like mock wrestling match thing going on, I guess they did later in that night. That's what I mean. That convention's so cool. That I was actually looking at the little flyer for it the other day. There was so much shit going on. DJs, like, I'm excited to go back next year again. Do you think you're going to be there, Adam? Uh, if they bring me out again, sure. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, so see, I don't, I don't live anywhere near Philly. So. Oh, okay. Lucky yeah. you. It's not great. <laughs> Yeah, and that's like the closest convention to us in general for me and Bren, that is. Um, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, what state do you live in? You live Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, a video game con in New Jersey starts tomorrow. You should go to that. Hint, hint. Ah, yeah, I might have to make the trip. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, oh, so you're going to be there, though? Yes. Uh, my flight is tomorrow morning. Uh, after, after we get off this call, I got to go pack up my crap and then head out. Gotcha. What's the that, name of this convention? It's called a video game con. AV- oh wow! GC, yeah, it's, that's I easy think to it's remember. New Jersey video game con was already taken. Okay, that's my guess. That makes sense. Um, well, steering the conversation back towards like your YouTube channel, I just have a personal question: as uh, what what's your favorite video you've ever produced? Uh, be it comedy or like the the Jurassic Park video that you based off the game. Oh man, that's a tough call. Um, I think the thing I might be most proud of is those two Back to the Future movies. Oh, totally. I don't know if you ever saw them. Um, it's basically the same idea as the Jurassic Park thing. I took the gameplay of that game and I basically made two films out of it. That's so impressive, and it must be a, such a painstaking task. Do you mind talking about like how that, like how did yeah, it drive you crazy? About, you know, the the thing about that is that it was um, not to toot my own horn here, but it was so well received in the Back to the Future community. So I was actually on the official Back to the Future podcast because of it. That's Which great. Highly flattering. So I like spent the whole time there talking about a lot of the details, but I'll give you the, the basic rundown here. Okay. Um, so I, that game, they remastered it for the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. And I, I picked up the PS4 version in like the beginning of October because Back to the Future Day is October 15th or October 21st, 2015. So childishly, I thought, Oh, I can do this whole thing in a week. I'm an idiot. There's no way that's possible. And I should have known better because I had done this before with Jurassic Park, but for some reason I like forgot how much work this actually is. Um, long story short, I had to 
basically, you know, capture all the footage, edit everything, make sure it all worked, go through the technical problems, not to mention make sure the story was flowing despite all the stuff I was cutting out, etc. And uh, it was released in December of 2015, uh, the first one, and then like a week later I put out the second one. So I, I cut them together in tandem to make sure that everything worked together. Because if you cut out like a section of the first movie, it's like, okay, does it still work in connection with the second movie? Or if you leave this section out of the second movie, does it not make sense to have this part in the first movie? You know, you just need to know all that at one time. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Okay, and like, how did you capture the footage? Was it like a screen capture software? Or were oh no, you... no, no, it's again, it's console, so it's not like it's not PC. Here's one of the big pluses on PC. Of course, if you have Nvidia cards, then you have Shadow Play. You just hit a button, you're good. With yeah. consoles, it's a little bit harder. You got to have external capture devices like uh, the Elgato uh, HD60 or the Hopage HD PVR2. That's what the one I used. Um, so I would just capture it to a computer, and then once you have it as usable footage, you just start throwing it in the editing software and let the hell begin. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, that sounds like hell. <laughs> oh, it was awful, dude. I, I, I should not have done it. Like I, I literally spent all my free time for two months just doing that. Uh, from the beginning of October until pretty much the end of December, like if I had any time at all, that's what I was doing. Nice. Well, and then I did see a couple of your older comedy sketches. Uh, who are some of your favorite, like influences when it comes to comedy? Uh, well, the biggest one back in the day was Kevin Smith. I always liked his style of not only writing, but also from a cinematic standpoint, I liked the way he presented everything. You know, he didn't, he wasn't afraid to admit that he just wasn't very interested in doing a lot of camera work. He could make a scene interesting with just the characters, um, which, you know, one might argue, okay, well, that's not visually interesting to watch. Yes. But at the same time, it's just interesting to see it function anyway, uh, at least in my opinion. So he was one of my bigger comedy inspirations. Um, but at the same time, I also liked a lot more zany, farcical, absurd things, kind of like South Park. So, like, we did uh, this one comedy short called Lactose Intolerance, which was oh, about... I just watched that the other night, yeah, and it was phenomenal. <laughs> thank you. It's uh, I don't know, Brendan, if you saw it. It's about a guy who is... Uh, he has turophobia, which we learned is a real word. It means he's afraid of cheese. Uh, <laughs> and so he's uh, he finds out his new neighbor is a block of cheese. Uh, and it was supposed to be like a, a parody on how bad sitcoms can be. It was like a sitcom setup. Uh, and it, it ultimately, it just goes in a really dark direction that you wouldn't really <laughs> expect. Um, so we, yeah, uh, because of that was kind of to me, it was kind of a South Park like situation, making fun of a, a, a sitcom in all the predictable ways, but then going completely absurd with it at the end is something South Park is known for doing. So it was kind of like, uh, it would be arrogant to call it like a live action episode of South Park. Cause that's not accurate, but that would have been kind of the underlying, uh, tone, I guess. Yeah, that's uh totally, I can see it. Definitely. Uh, I can see how those were, were your influences for that. I'm always impressed by parodies of like sitcoms sort of format. Cause they are so uh, cheesy pun intended. And <laughs> horrifically awful, just writing and character development, like mm -hmm. all around. That I know that for every parody of some sort of sitcom format, there's some executive somewhere in like Warner Brothers or the CW watching this video and just going, "Wait a minute, this could we could work with this. this yeah, could that could something. actually work." <laughs> and they try to actually write like a pilot episode for a sitcom based off the parody of a sitcom, like completely missing the irony of all of it. Yep. It's because sitcoms are easy to film and they're they easy are. to understand the, the situations are easy. Everything about it is easy. And it's also family friendly, which is always kind of big. 
So yeah. that's why they get constantly recycled. They just have some sort of generic hook that makes them different. Like, oh, this time it's about a, a single woman who works in the big city. You know, like that's the thing this time instead of it being about just, you know, the, the angsty teenager going through high school. It's always the same thing, but they just kind of change a hook at the beginning. They're all yeah. so terrible. Jim Belushi had a sitcom for how many years? I don't According know. According to Jim. Is, oh, it's, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Relive that moment, I don't think everybody. I ever watched it. <laughs> no one did, but somehow he got a few decent seasons out of it, and it was awful. Oh, God. Um, well, here's a question. What's, what's some of your most memorable experiences on the road touring as a YouTuber? Uh, <laughs> God, I don't even know. Uh, the I gas mean, food food? Or gas station say again? The sleep deprivation or the gas station food? <laughs> no, the the food's always pretty good. That's all right. So I'm like a horrible tourist. Anywhere I go, I don't care about like anything that's like, oh, look, you're in the city and it had like I was in San Francisco three times this summer. Three times. Do you know how many times I cared to photograph the Golden Great Bridge? Zero. Do you know how many <laughs> times I cared to photograph my food? Every single meal. Like, that's, <laughs> that's the kind of thing I do. I'm like, oh, I define how good a place is partially based on its food and then partially based on, like, I don't know, other factors. Sure. But my point is, like, um, I just don't really care much about touristy stuff. So when I'm on the road, I don't necessarily uh, I guess I don't appreciate that as much as I probably should. But uh, in regards specifically to, like, meeting up with fans, it's always cool when that happens. Uh, like, I had this big fan meetup in the UK. I told people I was coming out there, and a lot of people came out. It was, it was surprisingly awesome. And a lot of people bring me stuff to sign, which is always awesome, although I often question it. Like, it's one thing to have me, like, I don't know, sign – like, everybody's got, like, little things they might be interested in. Like, here's a piece of paper. Can you sign that? Sure, no problem. And every once in a while, people bring up Dreamcasts they want me to sign, um, <laughs> which is fine. The 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 only thing I've ever felt bad about signing uh, – I actually almost talked the guy out of letting me sign it – was uh, a copy of Shenmue. Oh, wow. Uh, I've, I've now signed, like, ten copies of Shenmue. Um, and, uh, it's, it, every single time I'm like, dude, I didn't have anything to do with this game. I just liked it. <laughs> like, I had nothing to do with this game's production. I just liked it. That's, that's it. That's all that happened. Um, but they, that's what they're insistent on in a lot of cases. So, um, yeah, I guess that, that would be it. The other thing is, I guess this summer was kind of cool when at the UK meetup, the first person who came out to meet me handed me a bottle of hand sanitizer. And he says, you're going to be shaking a lot of hands. You're going to need this. And I still have that bottle of hand sanitizer and I've gone to all these places since then and I keep using it until it's going to run out. So nice. This hand sanitizer has gone across the entire country at this point. That's Very good fan. Handy, uh, gift. Pun intended. Oh, but <laughs> but the uh, the other thing I was gonna say is um in in general it just must be like heartwarming to actually see the faces of all the people that you've inspired. Yeah, the fact that people want you to sign their copy of Shenmue that that just has to be flattering. It is. It's uh, it's also awkward because I would never have expected to be like first of all I don't want to say famous because that that's not correct. That's that's an arrogant statement. But to be known for anything, especially just oh I like to talk about video games. It's always been weird to me, but if anybody is like, hey, I do like that and I do want to have you sign stuff or whatever, I'm just, I'm flattered, but I never would have expected it. And if you'd asked me like 10 years ago, no, I would never have seen that one coming. More people probably associate you with Shenmue than the actual creator of Shenmue. That's, that's sadly possible and it shouldn't (laughs) be. Um, I would hope that's not the case, but man, that's depressing actually now that you mentioned that. (laughs) 
Well, it, it you kind of take on a life of its own, like when you start a you know channel, one that's grown as much as yours. Like people understand the hard work people put into products like video games and developing Dreamcast and stuff, but it they're not the face of the game. Like you mm-hmm. never see the developer unless you're actively looking for interviews or behind the scenes stuff. Whereas with you, you're both like talking about the product, playing it, and this and that but then are also the face. Like, they also see you and talk to you and can meet you at cons and stuff. Yeah, I guess so that's true. So I guess it's, it's easier to associate you with something than the 105 people that worked on a video game that you've never seen or heard of besides the credits. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, ooh, another thing I, I see is that you're a collector of games. Uh, do you happen to collect any arcade cabinets specifically? No, I do have a Dreamcast kiosk, but that's it. I, I oh, don't have wow. a space. I don't have the space for um, arcade cabinets, nor honestly that much of the interest. The okay. only one I would ever really want, actually, there's two. If I could fan like in a fantasy world, if I could actually have the space and uh, the ability to get these, the only two arcade cabinets I would definitely want is the Simpsons arcade. Yes. Um. Yeah, and that uh, Lost World Jurassic Park game that Sega oh, made. Oh, okay. Cool. Those would be, be my two. Nice. I feel like I I would have to have time one of the time yes in me there too somewhere. that's where I, I just just so, to scratch a certain itch <laughs> I've gotten I've put so many quarters in that game I might as well have bought it Have you ever been to Chicago No I got a few friends out there though Okay yeah, not there's, personally There's an arcade out here called Galloping Ghosts It's known for being like insane at like how big it is but on top of it the other thing it specializes in is that it has a lot of unreleased prototypes. So, like, they have the only copy in the world of this Beavis and Butthead game. No one else has it. What? Um, they have the only copy in the world of Primal Rage 2. And you can play Whoa. it. That Whoa. actually blows my fucking mind. So, it, that's the kind of thing that this place is known for, is not only being insanely big, but also specializing in just unique, one-of-a-kind copies of things. That's that, super cool. That might be worth visiting Chicago and blowing off my friends to see. Yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, it's go. nice to nice to see you finally came out to visit me. Hey, da, 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 where's Primal Rage? <laughs> <laughs> it's called Galloping Ghosts. Go find yeah. it. You can Google it. Yeah, sweet. With all the cons that you go to, like I know with some people who are with like networks on YouTube and stuff, they're kind of obligated to go to some and like kind of represent the network mm-hmm. depending on who they're for, like a contract. But like for you, do you have to go to so many conventions, or is this like all of your choosing? This is so this has all been of my choosing. Um, at no point has my MCN ever asked or even suggested that I should do one. Um, on my other channel, Game Society Pimps, uh, we're signed with Machinima on there, and they didn't demand or anything about us going to like PAX, but they did offer it to us, and they said, "Do you want to go to PAX? We'll bring you out." So we accepted because they were willing to, you know, compensate everything. So why wouldn't you go? But aside from that, no. <laughs> they offered it to you. It's like, hey, we'll fly you out to PAX and you can represent us there. Or you can lose your rent for this month. Your choice, I'm just saying. Like. <laughs> no, that, PAX, right, Machinima gets a terrible reputation. <laughs> where those guys are like, the people who actually work there are incredibly nice. All the people who did all the things that everyone hates Machinima for have been gone for years. I'm j- I just have a spawn nitpick because they had the Mortal Kombat series. I forget the exact name of it. But they had the Mortal Kombat series on YouTube for a bit, and it was so good. And then, like, nothing came from it. Like, I just wanted more of that. 
Yeah, I I was in Los Angeles uh, for a premiere of that, but I, I, I uh, schedules conflicted and I didn't end up actually getting to see it. But they, I saw that their uh, presentation was there. I could have gone, but I I'm an idiot, so I missed it. But uh, yeah, Machinima, they they do a lot of good stuff. It's just that you know um, they just have this bad reputation because of a lot of bad decisions made by times of the past. But they've always been cool to us, and like I said, that's the closest thing to ever uh having an mcn kind of suggest that we go to something but they didn't force us by any means they basically said we have this booth we're gonna have a machinima booth at pax and if you guys want to come and do like a live performance you know we'll be happy to bring you out and all that and it's like of course we'll do that that's fun so that's what we did awesome do you ever have to like i know you said about the hand sanitizer but do you have to worry about um your voice for talking at so many things or like fly I know some people, if they're flying up in the air so much, it really damages them. The altitude can mess with you a lot. Now nah, you put enough coffee in me, I'll do whatever. You know, it's, <laughs> I'll be fine. You know, I mean, yeah, it sometimes it does start to burn out. Uh, in, in a couple of the cons, I actually got sick. I think it was actually both times at PAX, so that was kind of brutal because I had to like drug myself up right before my panel to make sure I could get through it. And then after that, I'm like blowing my nose and stuff. But I, I do my best to should maintain stability at least while I'm, I'm on a panel oh that's a great idea go to conventions where there's like cosplaying which is pretty much all of them now yeah. regardless mm-hmm. uh but like just cosplay as like jesse pinkman or walter white that way you're in the biohazard suit already mm. so then you'll just be fighting off the nerd flu at all times very nice no nah, man that's what hand sanitizer is for it's good it's amazing how much that stuff works because I, <laughs> I, I i i seriously think there was something to that because I didn't really think about hand sanitizer until too many games. Mm-hmm. When my buddy Shane, aka Rerez TV, I don't know if you guys watch him. Um, he was on my panel actually. He was on all my yeah. panels at Too Many Games. Um, yeah. So he was the one who's like, "Dude, you should have hand sanitizer." And I think he saved my life because I would start using that, and then I never got sick, and I haven't since because I've been using hand sanitizer every time. Just bathe in it. Just yeah. Just shower in it. <laughs> con, con pro tips. <laughs> there you go. The tips and tricks for conventions. Always use hand sanitizer. <laughs> awesome. Um. Well, speaking of like tips and tricks, do you have any advice for people that want to be a YouTuber? Like, I'm sure. Like <laughs> now, nowadays, everybody wants to be. Uh, go figure. But I'm, and it's it's kind of a different world seeing how you've been doing it for so many years. But do you think you have any advice that would be practical for someone these days that is looking to get into what you do? Yeah. Don't do it. Um, it's it's the field is i'm just being brutally honest the thing is the field is massively overpopulated it's got way too much competition um and realistically the way the system works now the only way you're going to be successful on youtube is if you have a giant lump of cash that you can sit on to live off of for years while you're building a fan base i'm there is no way you're like, all right, I'm just going to quit my day job and I'm going to get out there and make YouTube videos and make a living. You will not make any money. You will be absolutely screwed. If your intention is to make a living off of it, you better have a nice, healthy bank account and sit on that for a while. If you're just like, hey, I just want to make YouTube videos every once in a while for fun, sure. But you'll never expand that way because you just can't put enough time into it. So you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Wow. No, that's honestly great advice because it's, it's what people need to hear, whether they want to hear it or not. So like, but that's honestly going to separate the people that will succeed from the rest because they will do it in their free time. And if, 
I don't know. They they can blow up that way, but like I see what you're saying. Since they're not putting, they're not dedicating all their time into this. It's it's not what it could full. It doesn't get the full potential that it could be. Yeah. It, also, YouTube's algorithm is surprisingly smart. It kind of knows when people care uh, full time and when they don't, and it tries to reward the system or the the system tries to reward the individuals it knows are putting everything into it. Um, it's. That's what VidCon is about every year. They give everybody all the tips as to like, hey, here's how we're gonna fuck it up this year. Um, so that's that's one of the things you can that you should know. Who's dog? Oh, that's mine. Nice. <laughs> yeah, going to town. I was gonna be very surprised if it was mine because they have been dead for a while. Mine oh, too. Christ. Oh. Right? That would have been fucked up. Dead dogs are great. You don't have to do shit. Yeah, they're they're easy even low maintenance. Yeah. <laughs> My Just... buddies were all consoling me when they, uh, when they passed away, and they're like, oh, it's this. And I'm like. Yeah, but now I don't have to run home every day at 6 p.m. like to feed him and let him out, you know, clean up shit from the carpet. I'm like, it's kind of nice not having pets for a while. Mm. You're cold, man. So- I am. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's all about me. It's my schedule. I don't care about that. It literally is called my dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's property. Here's a question I forgot to ask at the top of the episode, sure. and it's usually what we start with. It's what have you been playing lately? Uh, the last thing I played was Mafia 3 when I was out in San Francisco. I almost never have time to sit down and just like play anything recreationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, no, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause like, uh, I, like I said before, I work on four channels. Um, and so I just, I never have time to do anything for f- that concept known as fun. Like that never really gets to happen anymore, especially not this summer. This has just been insane. Um, so like whenever I've been back in Chicago this summer, all I've been doing is turning around, taking all the footage from things I shot and producing videos. And then when I'm done with that, I have to work on videos on the other channels. So if I play anything, it's usually for the purposes of capturing footage. Uh, I can't, I literally can't remember. Oh, yes, I can. I remember the last thing I played recreationally and it's about as obscure as it gets. I played microcosm on the Amiga CD 32 last month. Oh, what? Yeah, I even made I a Facebook don't know what post. That is. <laughs> yeah, the Commodore Amiga CD32 was a console only released in Europe and Canada. The US never got it. Um Jeez. and it had a it was like an early 5th gen console, so it, it looked kind of, it was kind of like think of the 3DO kind of thing. Um mm. so I for whatever reason I had some time on my hands and something came over me. I was like, I'm going to play the CD32. And then I made a Facebook post about it. I'm like, I'm not Xbox One, PS4, I'm not playing that shit. I'm not a nerd. I'm playing the CD32. And I am a nerd, of course. And uh, <laughs> so then that's all I did. I just sat there and played the CD32. And I was like, oh, wow, most of the games on it are terrible. But yeah, it's fine. Um, <laughs> that that was the last time I can recall. That was just last month where I had a little bit of downtime. And that's what I did. So there you go. Interesting. Were, were you playing it and just thinking like, God, I wish I understood French. Or was it actually in English? The, all the games are in English. Oh, really? I wasn't sure because I was in Europe. No, it was, it was out of the UK. Oh, okay. Well, I figured Europe and Canada, and they both got French in common. Oh, dude. All right. If you ask any Canadians, like, 99% of them can't speak French. Oh, yeah, I know. Like, yeah, I it's got, only in Quebec. I got a buddy of mine who's Canadian, and he's... I, there's a fine line between, like, jokingly racist towards, like, the French Canadians <laughs> and, like, genuine hatred. I've it's noticed. Very thin. <laughs> I go up to Canada enough, trust me, I've noticed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell, I'm going back there in, like, two weeks, so yeah, I know. Ah, jeez. Now, like, for something like this, where, like, you do something you're passionate about, like, games, and then it becomes work, I, you're clearly still passionate about it, or else you wouldn't be keep doing it. Yeah. But, like you said, you rarely have time to actually play games, like, for mm-hmm. yourself and not for 
the job or for a channel or something like is is it kind of draining of the passion like have you found yourself like more into reading now like you weren't before or more into sports that you were never interested in before because it's now something different than you're, what your job is you're not far off it's kind of like do you ever watch movies in school and then they just kept showing you movies and you're like i kind of want to stop watching movies in school or if like yeah. if, if you enjoy reading and then they assigned you a book you're like i kind of don't want to read this because it was assigned to me it's mm-hmm. kind of the same thing. Like, I love video games, don't get me wrong, but when I have to play it as opposed to I get to play it, it's kind of like I don't want to do that in my downtime. I would like to just sit there and watch some TV and catch up on what's going on in the world, you know? Um, okay. So, like, that's generally what I do with my downtime if I have the chance. Yeah, I know some people who work in comedy or, like, TV shows, like, find themselves reading very dark and morbid books because it's not they're surrounded by comedy all day and it's weird to think about something you love so much, like either video games or comedy or books or anything that if you're around it so much, you eventually get tired of it. Like, yeah, it's just kind of human nature. You just need variety. It's like the same reason you don't eat the same meal every single day. Yeah. I think it's kind of the same thing as like, why you don't listen to the same music you did when you were in middle school. Oh, I do. Yeah. There's a couple uh, <laughs> I pick and choose. Like, Offspring's like one of the five bands I can name. I'm musically retarded. I know nothing about music. <laughs> Oh, no uh, worries. Offspring, I actually know. Good job. There we go. We can relate on our middle school punk rock era. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I, I'm i so musically All right. The only reason I know Offspring is because of Crazy Taxi 1. That's- oh, <laughs> nice. That's a great callback. And yeah, wait. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 had a great soundtrack. Rage Against yeah. Machine. That's how I found out about them. Oh, Gary yeah, was a race car driver. That's the reason I know that yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> Ace of Spades. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Motorhead. Well, it's been a total blast, like, nerding out with you. Um, let's give you the opportunity to do some plugs. Uh, where can our listeners find you? I guess you want to plug your main channel. You can plug the other channels if you want. Oh, sure. Uh, okay, so YouTube.com slash Adam Korlick is the main channel that we've been primarily talking about. The other one uh, that I was talking about where I went to Seattle and stuff, that's uh, YouTube.com slash Game Society Pimps. That's more of a let's play video game comedy channel. Not so much like you just straight watch the footage, but, like, uh, we cut it, we edit it so that it's it's more like an entertaining short video. Um, we do a lot of uh, celebrity impression comedy on there, like uh, President Obama or Christopher Walken or Morgan Freeman play a video game. Because um, <laughs> we have a guy who's like a professional voice actor who's actually he he's on the Tonight Show as Morgan Freeman like pretty regularly. Oh, really? um, he's wow. a buddy of ours, so he does that. Or Darth Vader does stuff. Uh, again, another one of our buddies uh, voices Darth Vader for all the video games and stuff. So he does videos on there for us. <laughs> um, I do Mickey Mouse and Stitch on there in a series called Disneyland Adventures, which you should only watch if you're ready to have your childhood be completely destroyed. Oh, God. Because uh, <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not a happy Mickey. It's not a happy Stitch. It's vulgar like to the nth degree. Um, excellent so there's a lot of just gaming comedy and stuff there's a show uh, a show we do called uh, skyrim for pimps which is like a uh, a classic machinima in the sense that it's just a, a narrative that we created out of the uh the story within the game we created our own characters and we built like a lore if that show actually uh, again i don't want to toot my own horn here but it that show is actually so well received it's got its own wikis like fans argue about the lore <laughs> of the show um and they have like it's it's got all of the details like written out like everyone knows like where this character was at this point in the timeline you know all this stuff um so that's that channel i also work on blame society films uh which is i don't know if anybody listening is going to remember this there was a show called chad vader 
a while back. It was about Darth Vader's brother who worked in a grocery store. It was a big, <laughs> yeah, that it was a big hit like 10 years ago. Uh, yeah. I worked on that show. Uh, and this channel did that. We also do a show now called Beer and Board Games that I work on, which is pretty much what it sounds like. It's four guys drink and play board games. I just do crew work, and I'm like a background character named Few Horbe. Um, <laughs> uh, and the the fourth one is just we do stuff for Machinima. We do a lot of those celebrity impression videos I was talking about. That's an awesome list of things to plug and things for our listeners to check out. Yeah, um, hopefully. Uh, how about you, Bren? Where can listeners find you? Oh, I don't do shit, especially compared to Adam. <laughs> yeah, basically. We're, Dude, I'm a much whore. Less don't worry about me, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought it was uh, a pimp. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Bringing it full no, circle. Pimp. Nice. There you go. Pimp's the one he works for. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm a ab- ABTS Brendan on Twitter. That's really it. Yeah, that's fair enough. And for me, uh, Doug appreciates music on Instagram. And if you like our show, please give us a like and follow on Twitter and Facebook. Our handle is ABT Silence. Also, if you enjoy the show, uh, subscribe on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. But speaking of appreciating And if you don't like the show, send us an email. I want you to say to my face. Yeah, great. Uh, But thank you so much for joining us, Adam. It's been a blast. We hope to stay in touch. Maybe we'll see you at next Too Many Games. Maybe I'll see you tomorrow. I'm not sure, though. (laughs) Thanks for having me. And Brendan, don't poke the bear on the internet, man. Oh no! I love poking the bear. Oh, uh, you are, you are so young. You're, I know we are we are screwed. Uh, I was yelling at someone right before we started recording. <laughs> Very nice. God damn it! All right, well, thanks so much, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks. Bye.